Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Kim Winner, and Billy Ray Taylor here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Kim, how you doing? Hey, Scott, I'm very good. Yourself? Doing wonderful, wonderful. Great to have you back with us. And man, to have Kim and Billy Ray Taylor, quite a one-two punch here today. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Scott. How about yourself? Doing great. All, all Not to complain, I could use a little bit more American football weather because it's 84. It's going to be 84 and a little bit humid here today in Metro Atlanta, but that's okay. It's, a, it's still a gorgeous day, right? Yeah, it is great, especially this time of the year. And no kidding, no kidding. So, Kim and Billy, man, we have got a jam-packed show here today. Great to have you both back with us uh, on today's show. As you all know, it's all about the supply chain buzz. We're going to share some of the leading stories across global business. We've got a, a ton of topics to get into, and we've got a great guest joining us about 12.25 p.m. Eastern Time in Alex Fuller with UPS. So, folks, get ready because we want to hear from you all as well. So, um, Kim and Billy, are you all ready to get this thing going? I've got a couple of news updates, but you know what? Hang on a sec. Before we do that, I'm going to put y'all on the spot. Uh, we were talking in the pre-show about the weekend, about food, about you know this, that, and the other. Uh, give me one highlight from your weekend, Kim. Let's start with you. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's leading up to the rugby sevens here, so uh, I've been taking in quite a bit of rugby on the weekend. The uh, the the season for, for for the European season is on, so watch the All Blacks play. A uh, lot of TV. Uh, love to get out for a couple of mountain bike rides. So it's cool now here in the Middle East. So we can get out and bike and swim and, and run. It's very good. Well, you know what? That uh, Kim, your timing is always impeccable. We're going to be talking about recreation here in about 20 minutes, especially when our, our uh, friend Alex joins us. Billy, give us one highlight from your weekend. Well, it was a great weekend. My daughter's 25th birthday. She flew in from Atlanta to Houston. And so the family came over, we celebrated and had a chance to hang out and go see Jackson State, uh, you know, Deion Sanders team. So we had a great weekend. Sounds like it, man. Uh, you have to share some pictures uh, from what it sounds like. Game day, tailgating, uh, good football. <laughs> so, Billy, you had me hooked. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's say hello to a few folks really quick. Of course, Clay Phillips. Uh, the dog, happy buzz day. Uh, thank you, Clay. Appreciate what you do. Catherine and Amanda, uh, honor the whole team back behind the scenes. Happy Monday. Happy buzz day, as Catherine says. And Jose's with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Jose, love uh, supply chain and logistics coffee talk regularly on Fridays. Jose, you're doing great work there on uh, uh, the West Coast. Uh, but his show is global as well. So, Jose, great to have you here. Um, all right. So, Kim and Billy. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a couple different things here before Alex joins us um, around 1225. And what I want to do first, I've got just a couple of quick news nuggets. I want to pass along some things that we've been tracking uh, for, for really weeks now. The first, Billy and Kim, uh, the various railroad unions continue to vote on the brokered labor agreement, but there's still a lot of concern around a potential strike. But here's what you got to look out for. November 21st. 
right? That's the big date in this ongoing story as a couple of really big labor unions will be announcing their members' vote on that date. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed. We want everyone to win, as always. Uh, I've I've spoken to a friend of mine who is a a longtime engineer in the railroad industry and and have heard some of his concerns direct. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we get a good agreement for all. Uh, Kim, Billy, any quick comments there on uh, on what's going on in the railroad industry? No. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, well, I guess just from from my perspective, we don't we don't really have many uh, railroads here in the Middle East, but uh, it's a massive, massive investment taking place. Um, slightly different labour environment, of course, but I suppose we saw pretty heavy impact on the supply chains from the unionised situation on the ports um, and the terminals. So, uh, you know, and of course, you've got a very strong Teamsters union there as well. So, right. I hope everybody understands that, you know, with the, the way that the economy is going at the moment, that you really need to reach agreements that are going to be collaborative and uh, and make sure they can keep those supply chains rolling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And supply chains, railroads, Johnny Cash. There's a Johnny Cash song somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. You know what's interesting, Scott? I've, I've actually had to negotiate those contracts when I was in North America with Goodyear with the, with the steelworkers. And right, the disruptions that may be caused uh, for the extension of this negotiation will be a problem. And so I think both parties really understand that from what I've been reading and the sense of urgency to come up with an agreement. I think they're working right now behind the scenes from what I've read, I mean, aggressively to get an agreement. Yeah, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. And lots of uh, lots of influential organizations like the National Retail Federation really urging that uh, the you know the right agreement takes place and and keeps as Kim said keeps things moving right right um, okay so moving from railroads to truly movers and shakers uh, I want a uh, quick comment on a dear friend of the show so Sandra McQuillan uh, is going to be officially retiring I saw a story earlier today uh, in Supply Chain Dive now when she first appeared on our show probably three years ago. She was a chief supply chain officer with Kimberly Clark. It might've been four or five years ago. Gosh, and always a dynamo. Sandra brings it time and time again, one of our most popular guests. And then in her most recent appearances, of course, she's been serving as the chief supply chain officer for Mondelez International, which makes all kinds of great things, including uh, Oreos, one of their brands that we've had a lot of fun talking about. Um, So Sandra's been doing great work there, moving mountains, always you know, we're talking workforce a moment ago, always with the people in mind uh, and just a, a brilliant leader, a brilliant indiv- in, individual. And uh, we're wishing Sandra all the very best in this next exciting chapter where hopefully she can unplug, spend time with family and do whatever the heck she wants to do. Right, Kim and Billy? Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, again, bringing, bringing talented women to the fore right across the industry is so important. And, and just as a, as a sideliner, I noticed in my home country of New Zealand that uh, for the first time in history, even though we were the first country in the world to give women, to provide women with the vote uh, back in the 1800s, um, uh, we now have more women in the parliament in New Zealand than we do have men for the first time ever. Wow. Uh, I'm sure Sandra's doing a great job, but uh, New Zealand's always been a country which has been right into to women's rights and uh, into diversity. Man, that is outstanding. And of course, with Sandra and with with any women in senior leadership roles, we've heard time and time again, see it to be it, right? See it to be it. And and uh, love the role models for every, for everybody 
that Sandra has um, and her fellow leaders have been uh, for years now. Billy, any quick comment there? No, she would be missed. I've had the opportunity to go speak to the entire Monolith leadership team. Uh, her examples, not only around women leadership, just pure strong leadership at its best. Uh, and so she made an impact. As they say, she won't, the person replacing her won't have big shoes to fill. They'll have big hearts to fill. Uh, oh. She made a huge impact. Love that. So true. So true. Um, all right. So we're going to say hello to a few more folks and then we're going to dive into, we got, we got some, some two brains to pick here, two big brains between Kim and Billy uh, to learn from here momentarily. Uh, let's see here. Juan Garza. Hello from the UAE. Right. Uh, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Juan, thanks for being here. T-Squared, who holds down the fort for us on YouTube. Good Monday, folks. Bring on the supply chain management nourishment. That's what, hey, we're going to definitely got a full truckload of goodness here today. And Jose, he is from, he's going coast to coast. So typically he hails in California. He's in New York today. So <laughs> doing some big things. Uh, Juanid, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Uh, Kavita. Also via LinkedIn, great to see you. Let us know where you're tuned in from. We love making those connections. Uh, of course, Gene Pledger, good old GP from Northern Alabama. I look forward to uh, catching up with you here very, very soon, uh, Gene. Okay, so Kim and Billy, y'all ready to dive in? There's a couple things I want to pose to y'all and, and um, get you to share with our uh, you know global ecosystem here. Uh, and I want to start. I got I've got a fun picture here. Billy, this is you in action. Uh, and also, this is a um, illustration of the um, Billy Taylor rule, by the way. Billy, maybe we'll touch on that in a minute. Yes. But so the, <laughs> the Association for Manufacturing Excellence just held their most recent annual conference. Um, what number was that, Billy? Wow, I can't remember right off the top of my head. Like 50. I think yeah, it's, it's close to 50, right? Yeah, and it was back in person, so they had been in virtual, uh, been virtual conferences. Uh, it was outstanding. Over twelve hundred people there, industry leaders and practitioners, uh, CEOs came out to speak. But you could actually reach out and talk to someone, not reach out and touch, but you can reach out and talk to someone, and, and at every level of an organization. So it was very engaging. I learned a tremendous amount of best practices that are happening now in our new work world, right? What COVID brought was that that hybrid type of leadership style where you have to be influential and rather than just authoritative. And so that that conference kind of, I think, set the standards. Uh, a lot of people. I took enough selfies, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some of those on LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> well, now, I think you also gave a keynote or, or led a training or something, right? I did. I had a fireside chat where they had executives come in and they could just ask any question they'd like around operational excellence, supply chain, and it was very engaging. I mean, but it was a two-way conversation is what I really liked about it. Again, uh, people could ask off the cuff. It wasn't scripted. And so you had access to some of the best practitioners and leaders in the industry. And you're talking 1,200 people face-to-face. -face. Uh, it, it was outstanding. And the vendors and everyone that was there, uh, I think uh, we'll put this out here for supply chain now. Uh, a lot of those people, I, I think the Ohio State Buckeyes mascot was in the background. So you saw <laughs> that. It was just a lot of fun. 
<laughs> Let's bring that shot up again. I couldn't quite get Brutus in the shot <laughs> there. Brutus, but you're yeah. right. <laughs> well, one one more thing here, and and Kim would love to get you to comment on you know as one that uh, is at uh, just about every industry event worldwide. I tell you, Kim is. But Billy, I kind of teased it for a second. The Billy Taylor rule. You know, we we're talking about people, the people side of the business and workforce a minute ago. It's one of my favorite uh, Billy Taylor isms. What is that? Tell them, folks, what that rule is. The two foot rule. You get within two feet of me. I say hello. I speak. I acknowledge you. Right. As the saying goes, if you make people visible, they'll make you valuable. As human beings, what we want most in life is to be valued and appreciated. And so that's the Billy Taylor rule. I make I it a point it. to say, hey, I value you. Mm. I think what we've seen, uh, what we've seen, guys, is is this year has just been a bumper year for events. After the last couple of years, of course, people have wanted to get out. Scott, you know, you've you've seen us, and I've had teams out and all the way from Sydney, every state in Australia, virtually Singapore, India, a um, couple of times here in, in the Middle East, and then down and uh, recently in uh, in uh, Spain for a couple of events down there with the folks and cool. Logistics Resources, Cool Chain Event, Barcelona, Madrid for Fruit Attraction, 80,000 people, um, 1,700 exhibitors at Fruit Attraction. From all wow. 1,700 exhibitors, uh, several football pitches. <laughs> Evidently the biggest fruit event in the world. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, people out there, as you say, Billy, you're right. It's, it's People want to get out there. They want to be talking again. Yes, we've all gone online and everybody's digitized and, and everything like that. But the reality is you can't beat those relationships, refreshing the, the base of the knowledge. So well said. Um, all right. So thank you for sharing, Billy. And, and as T-Squared says, yes, that is a T-shirt, isn't that <laughs> Billy Taylor rule? I'm telling you, no one's no one's above saying, you know, not saying hello to somebody. It's such an important leadership and, and workforce um, uh, T-shirt ism. Uh, John, great to see you here. Back here. I love his sense of humor uh, from Maine. I look forward to your uh, contributions here. Hey, Timothy, also from UAE. Great to see you here via LinkedIn. Michelle, good morning to you. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Uh, Khalil, great to see you. And hey, Josh Goody. Our dear friend from Seattle, Josh, hopes this finds you well and look forward to your contributions here today. Okay, so Kim, you know, uh, given all the great work that your team does uh, really globally, you know, helping organizations find uh, uh, top talent and a lot more than that, it's just tip of the iceberg. I love the polling that you and your team do, especially when it comes to you know, recruiting, talent management, uh, the voice of the candidate, and all of that. So I've got some graphics teed up. I would love you to share maybe some of your most recent uh, polling. How about that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you, you know, we're continually prodding the market just to see what employers and employees, of course, um, are reacting to. And in terms of the, for this shot here, it's it's really how do you how do you protect your staff? How do you protect your employees? How do you retain? Don't worry about recruiting right now, but it's it's a matter of how do you retain and how do you keep them because it's, it's about three or four times the cost um, to replace somebody as it is to retain them. And this is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, if people uh, were going to be offered a, a more senior position elsewhere, then that's going to be a, a major issue why they might leave. So if you're not actually leveraging and utilising that staff member, if you're not giving them that opportunity for career progression and diversity in the business, then, you know, you're running a pretty high chance that you're going to lose them to another organisation that's going to take a bet on them. 
So that's one of the things that comes out of this. Um, yep. and, and, you know, again, there we see culture as, as a huge issue. Rather than just remuneration, culture, people are looking for a, a strong culture. This one here was an interesting one we were running, and uh, thanks for bringing it up, and it's, it was looking at uh, what an interviewer or employer, a line manager or HR uh, business partner, is looking for during an interview. And generically speaking, across the board, what we found was the highest issue uh, of prevalence, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, I must admit, was they're looking for candidate confidence. And you can say, well, anybody can be confident going into an interview, but I think in generic within that, of course, is the fact that you've got to know what you're talking about, that confidence. And so it's just a tip there for people going for interviews to say, do your homework, do the background activity, understand the business, find out about the client or the, the employer, and be confident about what you're going to say. Put your best foot forward. If I can, Kim, really quick, before we move to the, the third graphic. Hey, Billy, mm -hmm. comment on that. Comment on uh, some of these findings here, especially as it relates to uh, the interview situation. Right. For, from the, the interview situation, the candidate confidence, it actually, for me, it, uh, I almost would have flipped the the uh, self-awareness piece of it, all right? Because in today's time, leaders have to be really self-aware of what the candidate needs themselves. That's a two-way street because that leads to retention because today in the job market, it's not a hiring problem is what I'm seeing. It's a retention problem. Uh, those retention numbers are tripling. Uh, we're getting the people in the door, but we're not able to hold them. Uh, and you and those opportunities are, are are plentiful now. When you're talking promotions and things of that nature, I have a son that just went into the market, and what he was given as a starting salary, right? It's like now they're even bidding for the new talent, uh, right? And so when I say that, that self awareness, and I, I do respect the candidate confidence, or shall I say, how you show up, mm, how the yeah. candidate shows up, right? That's important. It's critical. Yeah. Well said. And, and there's such a leadership analogy there, too, because I think the best leaders I've ever worked for, ever rubbed elbows with, are folks that are really self-aware. They're self-aware with maybe some of um, of how they're coming across, you know, some of the when they're being really when, when what they're doing is working and when what they're doing is not working. Right. So oftentimes they're very perceptive and, and they're reading their audience and don't have to be told so often. So but Kim. Uh, your final thoughts here, and then let me know when you're ready to hit this uh, third graphic. Yeah, I think just coming back to that that leadership issue, one of the other polls that we've done, I don't think you have the graphic here uh, recently, and we're continuing on on this vein on leadership, Billy, is, um, you know, the amount of EQ and empathy that leaders are needing to show, especially for the newer generations. And, and also, which probably isn't on these slides, is, is the level and frequency of communication that is is required to motivate and to keep people in the loop. Uh, candidates want to hear what's going on, good, bad, or ugly. They want that regular communication. They don't want to be waiting till the end of the quarter or the or the half year before they get that feedback from their leader. Mm. And, and, and Kim, that's very important because with that constant uh, communication, you create psychological safety for people to engage. And psychological safety is just as important as physical safety. You know, even with raising your kids, if it's psychologically safe to engage, people will engage and then they will feel value. Mm. Yeah, just, well just, getting the feed, just getting the feedback, understanding. And if things aren't going right, okay, what are we going to do about that? Let's sit down and talk about it now before things get out the gate and we've got a problem. Yep. 
All right. So one, I want to pick your brain on these two final topics, kind of the work from home angle, as well as some of the things that candidates want to see. Kim, your final thoughts here. Sure. Yeah. So just a quick one there on the left about home productivity. I mean, we, we did this poll about um, how, how people felt uh, about uh, being productive, the productivity level uh, at various places. Uh, so, you know, if, if they were working from home, then, you know, if people had flexibility, then how did employers and employees feel about that? And it was pretty unilateral that during the last couple of years when there was a, a requirement for many, not everybody in the supply chain or the logistics space can be working from home. We know that there's a lot of hands-on working with machinery, moving trucks, planes, trains and automobiles but uh, and in the supply chain. But unilaterally, uh, it was felt that those who had flexibility and that were working from an external environment were more productive than they were when they were in office or on site. So that was from the employer and the employee perspective. So that one was pretty interesting. I don't know what you think about that, Billy. I mean, you're, anecdotally, you, you're hearing much in your market. Spot on. Uh, just from my feedback and, and and interactions, spot on. That's all I can say. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, it's not going to work for everybody, but uh, that's that's what the data is telling us, and we'll keep on probing in that area as well. Um, hey, Kim, if I if I can interject for one one quick second, as a as a manager, much earlier in my career. I remember one of the first times that one one of our team members had a conflict and really needed to be at home taking care of a family member, and she had the opportunity to tunnel in using email and connect to you know whatever she needed at the office. And I said, "Hey, do it." Yeah. Uh, so that was good on my end. But my president looked at me like I was an alien from Mars. What are you doing, right? But it, it's really fascinating to see how we've we've come from that moment. And right, and how leadership really looked at that situation to you know, fifteen years later, and where we are now, and and really to see organizations leveraging the power, even though there's there's a big value in in person, of course, but still to give give the folks what they can, where they can excel, and give them that flexibility in this work from home uh, environment, right, Kim? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just yep. just to finish up on this on this last one here, this was just a probe around just getting some feedback about what it was that candidates uh, want to know. Now, this speaks to the whole issue, that this is a, uh, a supply-driven market at the moment. This is, you know, supply. the supply is short, demand is high, so therefore, you know, the shoe pretty regularly is on the feet of the candidate as opposed to the client or the employer. And not enough employers are getting this, are understanding it. It's been like this for a long time in the supply chain, but there's been a peak over the last couple of years and it's rolling on. So what we're seeing here is a very, very strong dominance of candidates wanting to know more about the organisation themselves. They want to know about what the company strategy is. They don't want to be sitting there just reading off their CV and, and, and punching out about what they can do for a company and selling themselves. It's very much... How is the organisation going to attract them? What's the strategy? What's their approach to diversity? Uh, what's the direction of the organisation? Where it's where is it going? What's an opportunity for me moving forward? Well, where's my next step? Quite often, uh, what am I going to doing next year? Uh, because a lot of people don't want to be staying too too stable in an organisation. They want to be moving around. 
Absolutely. You know, the WIFM, what's in it for me? That's important that organizations and leaders can define and answer that uh, effectively. Uh, Kim and Billy, we have gone around the horn and then some uh, on topics already. We're going to be bringing in our, our featured guest in just a second. Kim, thank you for bringing the data and all that your team does. Billy, thanks for bringing us um, a feel of what it was like to be in Dallas at uh, the AME annual conference. A couple quick comments from our uh, uh, the cheap seats or the skyboxes, <laughs> whatever we want to call the comments today. Uh, hey, Jason is back with us via Huntsville, Alabama. Great to see you again, Jason. And by the way, to the Supply Chain Now production team, uh, I know I can't read well, but I love how much bigger these comments are. So our audience <laughs> hopefully can read them. Uh, I feel like I'm sharing a billboard now, Kim and Billy. I love yes. that. Hey, Joe, stay tuned. We've got Alex, uh, the featured star of the show, joining us in just about two minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's great to have you here from Wisconsin. I bet it's gorgeous up in Wisconsin uh, this time of year. Jason points out that a lot of supply chain companies don't pay well for that increased cost of living. We've all seen, goodness gracious, I can't imagine what a Thanksgiving dinner is going to cost us this year here in the States. <laughs> and Anna, Anna, perhaps, what was the name of the conference at Ohio State? So, Anna, that shot was from the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, AME, uh, the annual conference in October. Uh, that Ohio State's, I think, business program might have been at, Billy. Is that right? That is correct. The MBOE pro, uh, program, master's program. Okay. Great question, Anna. Uh, and Brutus always gets uh, the attention wherever he goes, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, Kim and Billy, if y'all are good to go, I'm delighted. I uh, really have enjoyed our chat. We need a couple more hours, but I'm delighted to uh, welcome on our featured guest here today. Two thumbs up, ready to go? All right. We're going to keep the show moving, just like... Uh, uh, the real cars and supply chain uh, right this moment. So with that said, I want to introduce um, Alex Fuller, Marketing Director with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Hey, hey, Alex, how you doing? I'm fantastic. I've been I've been listening to you guys talk. I'm excited <laughs> to talk with Kim and Billy and some great topics so far. So I'm excited to be here. Agreed. Well, welcome. It's been an eclectic conversation already, and I'm looking forward to what we're going to be tackling together, uh, Alex. So before we do, though, Kim, Billy, and Alex, you know, I want to start with a little fun warm-up question so we can get to know Alex a little bit better. So, Alex, today in certain parts of Australia is known as Recreation Day. It's the first Monday in November. Now, with that said, we know I, I know in the pre-show that you take your recreation very seriously. I want our panel to address one of their favorite ways to in, enjoy the weekend or their time out of the office or to recreate uh, a little bit. So, Alex, how do you do that? Oh, I know. Absolutely. So, first off, I want to know about Australia. Which parts of this is this a holiday? Because <laughs> those are the fun parts of Australia. I want to go to those parts. <laughs> We're um, going to map it out in the next, next show, Alex. <laughs> yeah, certain, you know, the parts that's not a, a holiday, avoid those places, right? <laughs> um, no, so so I, I have I have a, a small addiction with triathlon, so I, I swim, bike, and run a lot. That's what I did this weekend. Um, actually had the opportunity to do the, the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii a couple weeks ago. So, uh, and you know, it, it helps me blow off steam. So whenever, whenever UPS gets busy and supply chains get crunched, I can go run fast and, and burn some calories and get that stress off. And so I'll tell you, last couple of years, I've got a lot of PRs or personal records for uh, all that steam I had to blow off with how crazy the supply chain's been. Man. Okay. So one quick follow-up question, Alex. Uh, it, for folks that may be new, I've never ran a triathlon in my entire life. For folks like me out there that want to give it a try, do you have one 
piece of suggest uh, one one tip. I I mean it, it it's just fun. So I, there's lots of local small ones that are easy to get started. You don't need a lot of gear. You just need a, a bike and some running shoes and and uh, some goggles. So look just locally. Do it. Just do it. And just, uh, I'll, I'll warn you though. You, you might get hooked. So okay. that's that's my only warning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Alex, I love the picture that you paint there. Uh, Kim, let's go to you next. So recreation, what's one of your favorite things to do? Well, I used to do half marathons in Australia, uh, including the year there was a lot of bull sharks around in Sydney Harbour, and we had about 10 guys on uh, rafts around us. <laughs> I wasn't last. I was right in the middle of that pack. <laughs> <I didn't see. laughs> But, uh, yeah, look, after coming losing seven kilos in Spain over the last month, uh, running around on the undergrounds and all the fantastic train systems between Barcelona and Alicante and Valencia and Madrid and Toledo, um, I've stayed in it and I'm doing the swim and the bike. But uh, my rugby years have meant I don't run that far now, Alex. So uh, on with you. But the swimming and the biking over the weekend was, was uh, a couple of things for me. I love that. And I bet you could still suit up and uh, play a mean game of rugby, Kim, is my hunch. Um, okay, so Billy, same question. Recreation, what's one of your go-tos? Well, in college, I was an American footballer, so I love watching American football and going into an attendance to the games, right? Love to reminisce, and I always say the older I get, the better I was. Okay, when I'm talking <laughs> to my kids, but I love going to see uh, sporting events, and that's how I unwind now. Love that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, okay, and and I got to every time you, Billy, talks football or any sport, I love your story about um, what I think you or someone you knew had bad grades, and I think your mom said that uh, bad grades were NFL, not for long, not right? You were playing right? with, with bad grades, right? Standard, right? She had a leadership standard, and she says never compromise on your standards. Uh, I love that. Okay. A lot of good stuff. Well, we got to get to work, folks. Uh, we've got our, our first story here. I want to pull up um, um, Alex. I tell you, this topic has created uh, some anxious and, and some confused folks out there in recent days. And that's the topic of gasoline, in particular, diesel fuel. So, Alex, I think you're bringing some good news here today on this topic. So, tell us more. Yeah. So, so this last week, I, I you know, I jump on my computer and open my emails and, and, my inbox was flooded by customer requests, UPS customers saying, hey, what's what's UPS's you know plan for the diesel shortage? What's going on? You know, we're we're running out. What are you guys doing? And and I I, I look around I'm like I, I didn't know this was a problem. What's going on? So um, so a lot of research, you know, essentially what happened is um, that there's a there's a chart that the U.S. Energy Infrastructure Administration uh, or, or sorry, U.S. Energy Information Administration releases, and it's it's how much uh, you know diesel fuel is kind of in inventory. So how many right. days of fuel between refiners and gas stations, right? And so that number kind of bounces up and down all the time, usually between you know twenty days and fifty days worth of worth of diesel, um, and it's you know at a seasonal low of twenty five days. And so uh, one news agency picked this up and said, hey. We got 25 days left of fuel and uh, kind of, you know, that, that we could be out of diesel by, by Thanksgiving, kind of creating some uh, some some angst, you know. Um, and so, you know, that that got passed around, kind of went, went a little viral and, and other folks picked it up and tweeted it out. And so suddenly, you know, customers are like, oh, no, like, you know, hey, I remember when Atlanta ran out of gas a couple, you know, 
last year or whatever was not I, fun. <laughs> no, yeah, I was driving around different gas stations looking right, and you know, and the, we were out of baby formula, we're out of you know medicines, everything. You know, is diesel next? And and the the answer is no. Like there's 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 absolutely no issue at all, right? It's the it's days of inventory, twenty five days of inventory. That's normal. It's within parameters. We've been lower many times before. Um, really, what it is, is if if all the if all the refineries stop production today, just shut down and said, hey, we're done making fuel, we, we'd be good for, you know, we'd have 25 days worth, right? But they're, they're not shutting down, so they're going to keep producing. So really, you know, it was, it might have something to do with, you know, an event that's happening tomorrow with, you know, we no longer have to watch political ads. That's what I'm celebrating. <laughs> uh, so it might have something to do with that, but, but really it's, it's, hey, you know, it is, you know, lower than it's been previously, but really not a big issue, and, and you shouldn't be worried about it. Alex, man, that is good news on so many different levels, and I'm with you. I'm going to be celebrating after tomorrow because all the nonsense and the vitriol <laughs> and all that stuff will be hopefully be done. Um, and one last thing, and Bill, Kim, maybe let me get y'all's take here in just a second, but I think you're illustrating the power of context, right? Don't look at that headline and make that judgment. Do your homework, do some Googling, get past the first page. And also, I think um, the window of time that you look at when you're analyzing any kind of numbers so that that context can also, you can benefit from historical context as well. So Alex, good stuff. Uh, Billy, you're nodding your head. Any thoughts around uh, this diesel hysteria? No, I can say it was, it was, as they say, clickbait. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, got a lot of views, but we didn't stop producing. So if we, just as Alex says, we went to a standstill, maybe there had been a concern, but we're still producing. That's right. And so we have that inventory. That's just saying if we stop doing anything. Right. And so production still flowing. And it was just a scare. Uh, it was just. You know, it garnered over 316,000, I think, clicks, I think. So, man, if that was a target, if that's what winning was, all right, define winning, <laughs> then they won. But <laughs> we're not out of fuel. Well, come on. We're better. We're better uh, at, at, at informing folks than that. Uh, thank you, Billy. Kim, your thoughts? Hey, just two quick ones, Scott. So, one, you know, in this part of the world, we just talk about production uh, like you were talking, Billy. So, it's, this is OPEC country, OPEC country here. So we only talk about what the price of oil is and, and how it's being uh, leveraged or moderated by OPEC. And uh, the second thing I'd say was the immediate, when I read the article uh, yesterday, I'm thinking, the cynic in me is saying, has this got anything to do, the story got anything to do with the midterm elections? And we're trying to beat the drum here and uh, frighten everybody away from one party or the other. <laughs> Depending, depending on who's put the story out. <laughs> That's right. You know, I think everything, everything ties back. It's like the midterm elections is kind of like Kevin Bacon, right? Everything ties back to Kevin Bacon in the midterm somehow. Uh, but thank you, Kim. Thank you, Billy. And thank you, Alex. Uh, all right. So I want to move right along to this next uh, broader uh, story. And this comes to us from our friends over at USA Today. And there's a lot of great um, quotes from friends of the show in this story. So, you know, now that we're past Halloween, Alex, uh, Billy, and Kim, the real shopping season has begun. And you were we were talking pre-show, Alex, um, about how some folks are jumping straight into the December holidays, right? I think uh, my sister has a lovely um, uh, Christmas decorations up already. And Chrissy, I hope, hope you're listening. Uh, and that's okay. Hey, different, whatever it takes to get, you know, to uplift the mood. But unfortunately, 
what maybe is working in the other direction is some supply chain challenges continue and are, uh, continue to persist, right? Kind of dogged in a dogged manner. So Alex, tell us uh, what's going on here, what to expect, some of your observations. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to jump off with a controversial statement that, uh, that Christmas music before Thanksgiving, probably, <laughs> probably a little too early, but uh, that, I mean, that's, that's as controversial as we get, right? So we'll discuss that, but um, so let, let's talk, let's talk peak. Let's talk uh, Christmas shopping. So, a lot of factors going into this year, especially because I think it's going to look a lot different than the last couple of years for obvious reasons. Uh, so you still have a lot of disruptions that you got to deal with. You got the Ukraine conflict. You got China with zero COVID. I think there was some news about, you know, iPhones are going to be, you know, shipments of iPhones are going to be lower because of China issues. Uh, we're still recovering from Hurricane Ian. You got the Mississippi low. You have railroad strikes still, at, you know, a possibility. You have chassis shortages. So, you know, basically there's still a lot of stuff going on, but on the other hand, there's loads of inventory. Um, so, you know, anyone that's gone through a supply chain class, this is like the ultimate example of the bullwhip effect, right? So you, you have high demand, you order a bunch and then, you know, you run out and then you order more. And so now we are just flush with inventory in the, in the U S at least. Um, and, and stores are, you know, just their warehouses are, are overcrowded our you know our warehouses are full and so it's it's really a question of okay what's going to happen you know with, with peak so you know on from the consumer side if, if you're saving up for a tv or something this is the, the best time to get it right there there's going to be some great sales on stuff but there's also a question of do they have enough inventory of things that people actually want um and then also the the air and ocean markets are are down because there is so much already here but the domestic freight market is still pretty robust because we have that inventory, but is it in the right place? We got to move it all over to, to different stores, different, different factories. So that's still, you know, trucking, the trucking market's still pretty hot. Um, you know, kind of the last thing that kind of comes to mind is, you know, UPS, what is UPS seen on the small parcel side? Um, you know, even though holiday shopping has really come forward and, and you have, you know, it's not black, Friday. It's not Black November. It's like Black October this year. Mm. But on the parcel side, we're actually seeing a lot of similarity to uh, pre-pandemic levels. So we're actually thinking, you know, peak for smart parcels. So home delivery shipments, it's going to be late December, uh, later than than previous years. So a lot, a lot to kind of unpack there. But that's kind of the, you know, when I look at next couple months, that's what I'm seeing from, from, from my view and kind of things I'm thinking about as I get ready for, you know, the biggest time of the year. Love that. Uh, Billy and Kim, I'm coming to you next, but uh, hey, friend of the show, Madaf Durba with Coupa. Well, you're talking about inventory because it's coming out of our ears in so many different places. He's like, hey, if you're in the market for a big screen TV, you're <laughs> it's your lucky day. You're going to get lots of deals out there. Um, the other quick observation I saw is uh, spending. Various generations were all uh, you know tightening the belt when it comes to holiday spending. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's see here. Kim, we'll start with you this time. Your thoughts on this great read uh, from our friends at USA Today. Yeah, I think um, the angle I'd like to take, guys, is just this whole issue of where labor fits into it, just given the fact that you know, I run a global recruitment company. Um, and the, the issue of, you know, this is coming back from Europe and this falls absolutely full. I'm not too sure how much of that was last season's stock and over inventory or new season, but virtually get into many of the big brand scores, right? So the Index scores, the 
Zara's, the, the, the Nike, the Adidas uh, stores, organizations like that. Whilst there was a lot of shopping going on, what I really noticed at the store issue was that there was never enough people at the tills. There were people lined up outside the store with virtually trying to buy things and get into the tills. So what we're seeing is that labour shortage even at that retail side. We're also seeing that our customers, uh, are st many of them invested very heavily in integration and providing an end-to-end -end supply chain service to the BCOs, the beneficial cargo owners, um, throughout the whole supply chain, whether that's organic growth or M&A, right throughout the supply chain, we're seeing some of the huge companies who've made some significant profits, some of the asset-heavy air and ocean companies, as you were, you were saying before, uh, invested heavily. So their strategy is set and they're needing to get the people that they need, especially around digitization, around e-commerce, road transport is huge, um, to, to be able to service those strategies. So what we're seeing is still a high demand for that critical uh, labor and skills throughout the supply chain. Yeah, agreed, Kim. Agreed. People still uh, most critical part of the overall equation. Uh, Billy, your thoughts uh, as it relates to these supply chain challenges that persist in the holiday shopping season? So the challenges are there, right? It's a power of no, right? You, Scott, you've often heard me say you can't manage a secret. And so there's things, two things you know for certain. Basically, your labor situation, that's not going to change. That's new. And also, it's clear what people want, some of the, the high-dollar items. So what I'm seeing companies do is minimizing the spike or the peak, uh, what people want. So they're offering the deals earlier in the cycle of Christmas. So the TVs you talked about, Alex, those things. And you, those things that people wanting, that are that people are wanting, they're advertising them before Christmas so people can get them ahead of time so that they don't have the massive spike all at once. And so they're managing that flow based on the need of the people, what industry information is telling them. And so what I'm seeing now, companies are kind of getting ahead of the constraints, getting ahead of the bottlenecks. And that's how they're going to overcome or maximize profitability uh, in delivery, right? Right time, right place. Well said there, Billy. You know, two final things, uh, and we're talking about this article from USA Today uh, about some of these challenges that have persisted. And, and you know, over the weekend, uh, Alex, Billy, and Kim, I took my son. One of my favorite things to do every Saturday morning is have breakfast with my son, Ben. And this time, we went, a lot of times we go to a local place. This time we went to Waffle House. Uh, and a sign on the window as you came in basically said, hey, take, uh, be kind to our associates. Right? They work hard. They do good work. Please be kind to them. And you know, when I saw that sign, and then of course here in the states, or everywhere, but here in the states for sure, you know, Halloween candy up thirteen points or thirteen uh, percent year over year. Uh, butter, butter is up twenty seven percent year over year. And I, I mentioned the cost of that, that turkey dinner. I think as leaders, you know, workforce is going to be one of the themes here today. But as business leaders, man. Make sure you keep that finger on the pulse because your people are probably feeling lots of pressure in general, and now they're feeling it more in their wallets. And you got to be on the lookout for ways that, that uh, you can lift up your folks and make sure they're taken care of during this pressure-filled time. Um, and they're also getting political calls like I just did. I wish I could. I didn't want to interrupt Billy. Right as he was mid midpoint, I, I had a political call uh, hit my screener there. But anyway, um, Kim, Billy, Alex, a lot of good stuff there. As we're coming down the home stretch here, 
uh, with a, a quite an eclectic uh, version of the supply chain buzz. Alex, I want to take just a, a quick second. You know, everyone knows UPS. There might be two or three folks out there in our global listenership that may be unfamiliar with UPS global freight forwarding. But just in a nutshell, what do y'all do, Alex? Yeah, no. So global freight forwarding. So you know, air freight, ocean freight, customs brokerage, you know, all the services you need to get freight around the world, uh, domestically, all that kind of stuff. So uh, really what we do great with is when your supply chain has issues or you're like, hey, I got this big problem and I, I don't know how to solve it. Uh, that's that's our, you know, that's when I wake up and get excited because we, we bring the solutions. We can figure out uh, how to do the, the hard stuff. So um, that that's what makes it fun. You know, you can you can ship stuff A to B all day and that's great. And, it, and it's on time. Awesome. But when you got the complex stuff and the last two years have just been, you know, it's been tough. It's been hard. It's also just been a great time for innovation and excitement here. So uh, been a lot of fun. And, and, you know, and talking about take care of your folks um, and, and earlier when we were talking about, uh, you know, this, the surveys, those LinkedIn polls that we had, I think that's really important with, you know, as as we go into this peak period, you're going to be asking a lot of your team. Um, you, you know, a lot of demands and it's, it's either coming from new folks or it's coming from overtime. Um, and so it's a lot of work to, you know, keep people happy and, and be an advocate for your team to the rest of the company and say, Hey, we have to, we have to pay them fairly. We have to treat them fairly, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really important as supply chain leaders to be an advocate for your folks. Amen, Alex. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Greg White couldn't have said that better. So well done, Alex. Uh, and by the way, uh, Greg, uh, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs last night for uh, winning. I think in overtime, uh, he he had, had a little trip on his uh, on his plate this this week. Um, really quick, Kim and Billy, if y'all can really briefly follow up on, on especially what Alex shared there in the second part about the people. Uh, Kim, your your thoughts first. Yeah, again, what we're seeing, and again, we mainly mainly operate right outside the U.S., so we're Europe, APAC, Middle East, India. Um, and what we're seeing from our customers uh, to adjust to the way the supply chain is behaving at the moment, notwithstanding the fact that unilaterally and historically the legacy throughout the supply chain has been a shortage of key areas of talent throughout the supply chain. And one of the things we're seeing a very heavy emphasis on here at the moment, global freight forwarding. I have a couple of global freight forwarding clients here in, uh, in the Gulf at the moment, actually, Alex, not UPS, but, uh, and, and again, that, that road freight, the cross-border, the customs that need to still move a lot of the backlogs to make sure that freight is moving effectively across borders uh, is important. So people require in those spaces, both from a medium and very senior uh, area in the, in the supply chain, and also the emphasis about solutions design we're seeing all the way through from solutions engineers, quite junior, medium range roles with a lot of our customers, um, all the way up to very senior strategic solutions because organizations are having to cope with the variations and diversity and demands and, and push and pull on the supply chains and, and also the fact of this perennial shortage. So solutions, digitization, leveraging technology, right from the, the, the top 20 tier one companies around the world that we would uh, work with from time to time in various countries, solutions design is a really, really big space of interest because it can help you catch up where you're lagging behind and meeting those customer demands and those constantly changing customer right. requirements. 
right? So hire the top talent and then take care of them. Uh, so you can tackle those things that Kim just laid out. Billy, your quick comments on uh, what Alex shared, especially about taking care of your people. Well, I'm a, I, I was watching Alex's body language. And right, he's like, start with your why, right? What's that purpose? And he clearly identified the purpose. And, and I, I wrote it down. And he said, solutions to supply chain demands globally. Mm. He says, that's what he's passionate about. And he, he perked up in his chair with a big smile, right? And he's saying, <laughs> right, we're going to overcome any disruptions. We're going to be innovative about getting that job done. He was very clear and articulate about that. But what, what I liked about how he ended when he said, when he says, take care of your folks. Yep. Right. That's the input. The output are those solutions and those things that they do. And, and as a leader, what I liked about him and what really came to mind, again, one of my old sayings when my mom says, you can't teach what you don't know, nor can you lead where you won't go. Mm. And so his body language says he's willing to go out there and engage his people, right? And you know, and you think in diversity and inclusion, diversity is what drives change. Inclusion, I mean, is is who? Diversity is who? Inclusion is what? Right. And you get those ideas because he can't do it by himself, and he clearly knows that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as a leader, you're smart. I, I would say, yeah, I had 11, uh, 12 degrees, right? I was smart enough to get two. <laughs> I hired the other nine, right? And so that's where change happens. I thought we were back to Kevin Bacon for a second there, the (laughs) degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, um, Kim and Billy, I really appreciate kind of both of your thoughts related to what Alex was sharing. And I would just echo Alex, man, passionate by the truckload. And um, I love, because I think you do some, uh, we're talking pre-show about some of your campus visits. And, I, man, I bet you have some fascinating conversations with the best and the brightest out there. Okay. So, Alex, you brought lots of resources. So, uh, I want to lead off with this one here. So, tomorrow, one of Alex's colleagues, Paula um, Rotes, is going to be joining Greg and I. Uh, and she's going to be focusing on kind of one of the themes we've talked about here today, you know, building those trusted relationships with your freight forwarder and how that can pay off. And as Kim and Billy have both talked about, to keep your freight successfully moving wherever it is. So y'all join us at 12 noon Eastern time tomorrow for that live conversation. And then uh, I want to ask you about this here. So the UPS team is hosting a webinar on November 15th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And it is focused on 2023 trade policy and compliance outlook. So, Alex, you know, break that down a little bit. Why should folks check out this webinar uh, in a week or so? Yeah, no. So very, very excited about this. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like within trade policy. I know there's there's trade policy nerds out there. Right. I go to I go to some of these uh, trade policy conferences and and, you know, people geek out about, you know, HDS code three, three, four, four. You know, it's like, whoa, we're way too many lawyers in the room. Right. <laughs> and, and that's fun. And that's that's for some people. Um, this webinar is, is for the, for, for everyone that's not that, right? So this is, this is, Hey, you know, I, I know trade policy is important, but you know, I, I don't have every, every line of the law memorized. What do I need to know for next year? What's going on that could affect my supply chain? So, you know, section 301 duties from China, you know, they, they were kind of, you know, again, that relates to the midterm elections. There was some talk about getting rid of those that kind of went away after tomorrow, they might that might come back into play, and so that affects a lot of folks if the you know duty rates dropping significantly. Uh, so things like that that we're looking at next year, what to what to keep an eye on, 
And so I can plan, you know, my budget and my trade compliance group to, to be ready for that. Love that. Hey, going back to the front end, uh, I can't remember how exactly how you put it, but look, folks should look at their trade compliance teams as wonderful resources lean into that. We've had a couple of shows with members of the UPS team around that. So don't think policy nerds. I can't remember exactly how you put it there, Alex. I know it was all in good fun, right? Tongue firmly planted in cheek, but, um, <laughs> I love that sh uh, conversation we had a few months back about lean in, sit down, share with them what you're trying to get done and and let them help you. Um, okay. And then, of course, one final thing here uh, from UPS team is from the UPS Supply Chain Solutions team is you can sign up via email to get uh, insights, resources, webinars like the one that uh, Alex just spoke about right there conveniently in your inbox. So y'all check that out. We've, we've got the link We've got all the links uh, every, from the um, tomorrow's live stream to the webinar on November 15th that we just described, even to registering for the uh, email insights from the UPS uh, Supply Chain Solutions team. So one final question, Alex, man, Kim and Billy around the world in, was it, 180 days uh, in 57 minutes. <laughs> um, Alex, what? how can folks connect with you and the UPS Global Freight Forwarding team? Yeah, no. So, so me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, Alex Fuller. Uh, if if you really want to chat, you can shoot me an email, alexanderfuller at ups.com. Um, but and then just general questions, ups.com/slash/supply-chain. Uh, great resources there. That's what you just highlighted, Scott. There's a contact us. So, uh, you know, if 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 you're you know tracking a shipment or something. I'm probably not the best resource. That website might be better. <laughs> but if you, if you want to talk solutions, you want to talk. Uh, hey, I got this big problem. You know, I I got an elephant. I need to ship around the country. I mean, we've done stuff like that. So uh, let let me know. Let's talk. I love that. And Alex, you love to have those conversations. Clearly, you and the team. So uh, big fans. Appreciate what you brought here today, and we look forward to having you uh, back with us again soon. Oh, by the way, Alex, uh, Billy and Kim. I don't think y'all know this yet. But Alex, you and our dear friend Anna are launching a podcast in January. In, in a quick minute, tease that really quick. Yeah, so coming Q1, we have the UPS Supply Chain Solutions podcast that we're going to launch. Um, and it's really just helping. It's targeted at supply chain professionals. How you know What's the tips and tricks to, to become better? So we'll, we'll talk to the folks within and without our company and things like, you know, hey, how do I get the... How do I get our best air freight quotes or best air freight pricing? How do I work with my account manager? How do I work with my local operations? So a lot of kind of, you know, evergreen education content um, and hopefully a lot of fun along the way. Oh, so that's oh. coming coming Q1. So uh, watch our website for that. Q1, not January, but Q1. And I bet if you sign up for the, uh, the, the regular email, that will be one of the resources on there. So big thanks, Alex Fuller, Marketing director with UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Alex, happy Thanksgiving. We don't talk to you and we look to have you back again really soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Man, Kim, Billy, if we could hook, if we could just hook up Alex to the power grid, uh, we, we could get through all the challenges and then some. I love his passion and, and his love for what he does and what the UPS team does. I uh, love, love that you pointed that out, Billy. Um, all right. So there's two questions really quick, Kim and Billy, I want to wrap with. The first question I'd love for, the, for both of y'all to share, uh, it could, it's probably going to have to be the, the Reader's Digest or the meme version, is what's one of your favorite things you heard here today? And then secondly, both of y'all are leading so many different initiatives, uh, events, books, 
uh, you know, the great work that y'all do. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. I think we're going to drop y'all's LinkedIn uh, profile in the chat. But uh, Ken, let's start with you. Your favorite thing you heard here today. Yeah, I think uh, it comes back to the passion that, that Alex got in that industry. I, I worked in a very similar, uh, well, in the same industry uh, back in New Zealand in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, freight forwarding, uh, especially the part of the supply chain that Alex and his team work in is not for the faint-hearted. It is is bereft with complication and challenge and diversity of issues every day because everybody wants their freight. They want it yesterday. They want it in whatever condition, and there's a lot of conditions to go with that. So, you know, kudos to him for being so passionate about what he's doing in the industry. And UBS is, is an organisation that's had, you know, like the, the whole uh, freight industry has been challenged extremely well right over the last few years. So, uh, you know, that's right. that, that sort of uh, passion is very important to me. That's right. And Kim, before you answer the second question, let me just share this. Uh, Juan says, thanks, Scott, Alex, and Billy, and the one and only Kim Winter. I love that, uh, Juan. So how, <laughs> gracias, Juan. Gracias. <laughs> how can folks connect with you, Kim, uh, your vodcast? I mean, there's so many things. I don't know how you get any sleep at night. What's the easiest way for folks to connect with you? Yeah, it's easy. So I'm big on LinkedIn. So Kim Winter uh, on LinkedIn, you get me any time there. Uh, that's the main place to go. And, uh, yeah, also uh, reach out to us at oasisafrica.org.au for our uh, operations that we run down in Africa. So oasisafrica.org.au. But, yeah, LinkedIn and then Logistics Executive TV. So uh, you'll get us on uh, Logistics Executive the hub of your supply chain as well on uh, LinkedIn every day. Love that, Kim. Appreciate all that you do in our in our work together. Uh, Billy Ray Taylor. Uh, so, Billy, same two questions. First one: What was your one of your favorite things you heard heard here today? Well, his his passion around innovation, uh, and I mean people centric innovation. When he talks about globally airplanes, railroads, whatever it takes to get the product to the end user his passion around that. And he also was able to couple in the people side of excellence, the people side of what makes organizations great. And that's what I really liked about him. And he shared a level of passion around that, right? It just wasn't lip service per se. Uh, he described some things they're doing about it with UPS. So uh, I think that's how you secure a, a, a bright future for any company and for any leader. And he was very, very passionate about the innovative side of, of their operations and also how to engage the people. I completely agree. And, and you know, as I mentioned, I think part of what he does is get out there and talk with uh, new college graduates. Uh, and I can only imagine those conversations. I bet Alex has got a long line of folks that are to, uh, that are lined up, ready to talk to him and get his autograph. Uh, so we'll see. Um, Billy, speaking of autographs, uh, the winning link, man, uh, I think you see it right over my left shoulder. A book has just blown up. I think you're already moving into your uh, second printing soon. Yes. And that I found it in my local Barnes and Noble here in Atlanta uh, <laughs> over the weekend or last Friday. So um, whether it's a book, whether it's um, your keynote speaking, you know, consulting work, and then some, how can folks connect with you? Again, like Kim, linked, LinkedIn is my, it's, it's the quickest way to get to me. I read all of my own postings. I also respond to all of my own postings. Uh, so that is a quick way to catch me. Um, and to get a quick response. Uh, and then the company Linked XL stands for Linked Excellence. 
Uh, we also reach out to, to people there. Uh, I'm always on the road doing some kind of keynote or engaging uh, with different different forms of educational institutions, workshops, conferences. And so I'm really out there and love engaging with people. So, Scott, if anyone reaches out to me, I always return the email. And then the book, I get your picture. Uh, and that, that made my day of it being on a shelf in Atlanta. And so that's the fun part of my friends and colleagues sending me snapshots in their bookstore. That that makes my day. It really does. You know, coming from a humble beginning, when you see that, my son asked me a question at a book signing, signing which you've ever thought that. And I said, son, being honest with you, no, it's humbling and it's emotional. Mm. So thank you. Well, you know, I love the, uh, Kim. I'll, we're going to have to send Kim a copy in Dubai, but um, the book is written just like Billy speaks. The stories uh, from mom to colleagues, you name it. I mean, it's just a great, great, practical, uh, inspirational read. So, um, all right. So, folks, Kim and Billy, two of our favorite folks out there. I'm so glad they could co-host this session with the one and only Alex Fuller. Um, we're going to make it easy. So, we've got Billy's uh, LinkedIn you can connect with him one click away there. And we did the same with uh, Kim's as well. So y'all click on, you won't regret. You'll love the content they share across social. Um, don't forget the UPS webinar coming up next week, uh, that 2023 Outlook. Come join us tomorrow as we talk about you know building relationships with your freight forwarder. That's going to be a very practical session. And, of course, you can sign up with UPS Supply Chain Solutions to get resources like this regularly, including Coming soon, a Q1 2023 new podcast with Alex and Anna. Okay, Kim Winter, thank you so much for your time here today. Always a pleasure. Likewise, Scott. And uh, yeah, great to see you, Billy. Thank and I uh, really enjoyed talking to Alex as well. Thanks, Scott. You bet. You bet. And Billy Ray Taylor, always a pleasure. We'll get together soon. Uh, in fact, and Kim, I think you owe us a trip over here, or we go, we owe you a trip where you are, but we'll get it, we'll get it nailed down. Billy, always a pleasure uh, spending time with you. Same here, Scott. All right, folks, jam-packed episode, just like we promised. And Kim and Billy and Alex delivered and on time in full. Odif. Uh, but folks, whatever you do, hey, Scott Luton challenge, you know, hey, take what we talked about here, put it in action. You know, deeds, not words. You know, put your problems in a headlock and do something about it. And if you can't, hey, reach out to your team, reach out with with uh, third-party partners, you name it, but just take action. And on that uh, note, uh, we'll challenge you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.